Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am one of your hosts, Wendy, joined as always, always by Melissa. Can't have one without the other, peanut butter and chocolate. So we are continuing <laughs> our Fantastic Fest 2017 uh, recap episodes. I think we're on number five mm-hmm. out of a planned six. Yes, we are. And if you could insert an elephant trumpeting noise right about here. We're going to talk about the elephant in the room. So, yes. uh, you, I feel like, you know what, you can look up the Devin Faraci stuff. I think we can probably summarize. Yeah. Um, so, in summary, Devin Faraci, who was known to be a big online bully, but was employed by the Draft House at their birth movie's death website, um, allegations came out of sexual assault. He. This was about a year ago. A year ago. And he. Immediately, like, cop to it. Um, there was one that came out, and then further allegations came out. So it became more than one woman. And uh, he resigned. Tim League accepted his resignation. And that was seemingly the end of it, except that right before Fantastic Fest, when the program guide came out, it was noticed that Devin Faraci had a byline on some of the movie movie descriptions. And it caused people to wonder what the hell was going on, and and it turned out that they had secretly rehired Devin to be a copywriter, and it was the secrecy of the decision mm-hmm. that was a problem. It was also that when it was discovered, um, Tim League gave a very tone-deaf statement mm-hmm. that was about, I'm standing by my friend, and didn't really address, yeah, but in the process... You've really kind of spat in the face of the victims and of women who might be troubled by, you know... Quietly rehiring somebody who was uh, uh, accused and admitted to sexual assault. Yeah, um, and what does that say about like how safe how safe the Alamo Draft House might be? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then and, so and, then Devin was resigned again, and um, Tim, I think, went, really went on a soul searching, and Tim didn't attend the festival this year because he he's traveling the country and he's really trying to talk to his to his Alamo structure and try to find out what do we do, what do we have to do to change and talk to his board? What do we, it is clear that we have systemic problems. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them being, and I do love this story and I don't think it's talking out of school since it's public knowledge who's on the board. Like when, when Tim came to the board, not very long after Devin was fired at three months, yeah, it it wasn't long. It wasn't well. It certainly wasn't long enough for Devin to have quote fixed himself. And mm-hmm. Tim's like, Devin really needs a job um, for the insurance because that's a game changer for me. Finding out like, yeah. and it makes sense. Honestly, it's the ethical thing to do. Devin needs a job so he can have the insurance so he can continue in his treatment to try to get better. Let's give him a shit writing job so that he can keep his insurance. Yeah, and his writing job was literally 
um, no bylines. It was it was like tiny little copyets. This is what this movie is about, sort of thing. Yeah, it yeah. it was it was meant to be a shit job. Yeah, um, and the board said, "You're right. That's fine." The board then confronted after everything came out and there was a lot of blowback of, oh, hey, you know what we didn't notice? Everybody on the board is male. Mm -hmm. Maybe if somebody had been on the board who was female, we might have heard a different perspective and it might have saved us this trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, It might have opened our eyes to, guys, that's a really tone deaf and that's got bad optics written all over it. And I mean, also one thing I do want to bring up is, yeah, he... But he was also still going to premiere events with all-access Alamo badges. There's mm-hmm. pictorial evidence. So I, I do have a problem with that. But so yeah. that's the Farachi cloud that was hanging over Fantastic Fest. Yeah. And Fantastic then- Fest was already going to be very much a space where everybody was talking about the issues of representation and safety and safe spaces and like how do we make things better how to be how do we be respectful but where are the lines and what what are mm-hmm. reasonable expectations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially in a space that's filled with genre filmmaking which frequently pushes those boundaries yeah yeah and so we're already knee deep in drama prior to uh, Fantastic Fest starting. And, you know, my, my take on the Tevin Farachi situation, well, I'll, I'll get into it after we get into the second compounding thing, which was in the wake of all this, uh, people started popping up online going, well, what about Harry Knowles? You think Devin's bad. You think Devin's bad. What about Harry? And so... Uh, a, woman came forward that um, came forward publicly to to the news centers that and she said look Harry was you know grabbing my ass and and groping me non-consensually at this event 18-ish years ago yeah several many many years ago um, I asked him to stop and he wouldn't stop and issues and it started coming out. Um, because it, she came forward and got traction in the media in the wake of the Devin Faranchi thing, other women started coming forward. It broke the dam. It broke silence. the dam. And so what had been going on, and dear listeners, as you know, we've been, both Wendy and I are long time, but Namathon. I've known Harry Knowles for 20 years. Yeah. And me almost as long. Wendy has been to every single but Namathon. And I started three years in and I've been going to every single Bhutanamathon since that. That that's since two thousand two. Fifteen of them. <laughs> yeah. And so um yeah, we're we're part of the Harry Knowles circle of people. I, but, I mean I'm not a close friend, but I would if somebody had said, Are you friends with Harry Knowles? I would have said yeah. 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 And and same here. I'm not super close, but I see him a couple times a year. I travel to Austin for his birthday every year. And so the these women started coming out that you know very inappropriate things have been going on where uh various women were saying that he was either groping he had either groped them or that he was trying to leverage his power and status to you know to gain get, compliance get, get, gain compliance is a good way to put it 
And so I think there are at least four or five stories now out in the common media. And, you know, dear listeners, Wendy and I have heard others. Yeah, more have been told to us privately. Mm -hmm. And I want to make it clear that they've been told to me personally. They've been told to me by these people themselves. They are firsthand to me. I find these people to be credible. And I'm not going to share any of the details and I'm not going to share any names, but yeah, this is, this, this, these things happened. Yeah. And that's just it. These things happened. And all of this came out literally on the first day of Fantastic Fest. Yes. Yes. And so this, this week has been exhausting, super hard. So dear listeners, you know, both Wendy and I believe the victims. Yes. Wendy just made... Absolutely clear. I mean, the um, you can maybe can debate the veracity of one or two of the stories, but the, 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 the bulk of these witnesses aren't always perfect. The circumstances yeah. aren't always clear cut. Things are often complicated, but the important part is there have now been enough stories that it doesn't matter that one like this one well but maybe this this one well but maybe this it's like yeah, this yeah is now we have we have a we have a lot of data points on this there is a clear pattern yeah and and it's it's a very very ugly one and so it it the the decision was it, as steve Procopy and made clear in his statement about it um it's like the the decision was remarkably clear that it's like harry is no longer part of my life. I, I can't be a part of this. I can't yeah. lend my name to it. Yeah. And, and so it, the, the, um, the stories are certainly consistent. What we've seen with Harry over the years. I mean, I've, he has never treated me in, inappropriately, but Harry, he, Harry he makes inappropriate comments to everyone. It's true. Male and female. Um, he has a crass sense of humor and that's kind of the way both of us read it all these yeah, years. Yeah. I mean, and I'm also, as I've stated publicly, I'm of a certain generation where you just shrug off uh, male physical domination techniques of like where a man will put his arm around you and when you try to move away, they don't let go. Mm -hmm. Um, Like a man forces you to stay close to them so that they can continue talking. Mm -hmm. Um, Like those sorts of things you just shrug off, but they're indicative of they're indicative of a personality type. Yeah. Of, I don't care what you want. I don't care that I'm, I can clearly see the nonverbals you're sending. I want you to stay and I'm going to force you to. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. And, and the, the sad thing is this has been happening for so long and nobody, I, I think what had to happen was, uh, sadly, very sadly, what had to happen was the, the American society's understanding of harassment had to elevate itself to a level where the women felt safe coming forward, as well as Harry's star had to sink enough that it was supposed safe and that people would listen without the knee jerk, without the knee jerk, uh, power brokering yeah. celebrity stuff that happens. And also, we've we have evolved as a society yeah. to where we have changed our definitions enough to where before it would be like, yeah, he's a little handsy, so just you know, make sure you watch yourself to where now you know what that's not good like no that's not acceptable to just be a little handsy yeah and and so the 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 first woman came out yeah this was a long time ago he was a little handsy you can might be able to debate that but the other women who have been coming over the the stories are much more recent and it's it's continued and yeah and it's a pattern 
Um, in, so that's in, what's been like, well, after all the Devin Faraci stuff, what happened at Fantastic Fest was a lot of quiet one-on-one -on -one conversations because people didn't want to exhaust people even more. And people didn't want to, I, I personally didn't want to force people to make statements of allegiance that maybe they weren't ready to make. And mm -hmm. I certainly didn't want to suddenly get into an argument with a friend who's like, I don't know that I believe it yet. And I'm like, Abs I absolutely do believe it. And I don't want to have this argument. And, mm -hmm. um, but it was kind of all anybody was talking about. And they were, they were important conversations about what our expectations are and what we think is, what we think is acceptable. And wow, the changing nature of what sexual harassment is and what we should expect and how we should treat each other. These are all great conversations, but they are tiring. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I will say this has been a really very kind, fantastic fest. You know, people are in the hallways are being very, very good to each other. They're being very mindful, no matter where they were following, falling in you know, their understanding of the story. Everybody was very good to one another. And which is a stark contrast to what all the whirlwind going on online. Yes. Yeah. The, cause That's it's been immediate so frustrating storm. is the people who are not at fantastic fest are just like, I thought things were going to happen there. And you call and they're calling for people's heads and like, did you hear what happened at fantastic fest? It's still clearly a toxic environment. And it's like, no, you, you are no not idea. here. It's like, well, I thought there were going to be important conversations happening and we were going to hear about it. They are, they are happening. They are happening everywhere. everywhere throughout Fantastic Fest. They are happening in big ways and small. They're happening as people just walk by, look each other in the eye, and give each other a hug. Mm -hmm. Like the amount of hugging that happened this week was kind of off the chain. Yeah. Of and and it, all, all those poor people who have in the past or were working for any cool news, walking in and just looking shell shocked every single day and. You know, by a few days in, all of the head writers for In a Cool News had walked. Yeah. And and many of them were there. So Eric Vespi was there. And uh, uh, I mean, I know Canfield had worked for ASC in the past, but not regularly. And Alan Cerny was there. I know he had already yeah. left AICN, but he was looking just shell-shocked. And Steve Prokopi wasn't there, but I was talking with him on, you know, yeah. privately. And you know, I, he walked and... So yeah, that is the elephant in the room is that not only the Farachi thing, but the Harry Knowles thing and everybody sort of confronting like in your face, the, like the systemic misogyny of, of a culture of, of the way that we have like, and power structures and how we like, and people like find, like looking and going, should I have noticed? Mm-hmm. Is am I partially to blame? And I mean, there is some, there is something to be said for, yeah, we're all partially to blame because we sure all, we, we all, these women didn't feel safe saying it. Mm -hmm. So we must not have been listening. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know if five years ago, if a woman had said it to me, I probably wouldn't have responded correctly. I would have been like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's Harry. Just don't be alone with him. Yeah. And not is, not out of awful. any not out of any sense of like oh he's so powerful and let's not upset Harry but just yeah that's what it's like to be a woman. Mm -hmm. It was stressful. My husband at one point in the middle of the week was like, "Are you having fun?" Mm -hmm. And I had to be honest and say, "No, not really." Mm -hmm. But is it necessary? 
Oh, yeah. Yes. And there were a lot of people after the Devon thing that were like, um, I can't go. I just, I can't in good conscience go. I'm just contributing to the problem. And Yeah, one, one of the main programmers. Uh, Todd Brown. Todd Brown, who I, I adore. I think I think Todd Brown is bee's knees. And, but uh, he's like, I can't contribute I can't to it. this old boys, this uh, good old boys club anymore. Yeah. Um, and a lot of women like, how can you go? How can you support Fantastic Fest and the Draft House? And I'm, I made the decision for me of like, it, you can't abandon every space that this is happening in because then you'd never go anywhere. And I believe this space can get better. And the only way I can make sure that happens is to hold them accountable by being there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we all fled that community, there would be nobody to say, no, this is wrong. You got to fix this. And, um, and and this is a community worth saving. This is this is an amazing community made up of vastly majority amazing people. Yeah. And both the Fantastic Fest community and the Butnamathon community, which have very deep overlap and that it's worth saving it is definitely and it can be saved and like Kristen bell who's the executive director she made a statement before the opening film um she was a lot more visible this year that's just smart optics yeah that that was a smart move (laughs) um and and like i'm not being critical like you have to be smart yeah a business has to be smart but it's also that's just Kristen. She's got a lot of heart and she's going to be more visible to let people know I'm here and I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so it colored everything. Mm-hmm. It colored everything. And it wasn't until the last day of Fantastic Fest that I finally got Fantastic Fest, that it felt like Fantastic Fest. Like everybody, f- like maybe it's because by the end of it was the last day of like we got through it. Mm-hmm. We are going to get through it. We believe this is going to get better. And, and like everybody just relaxed and went, it's okay then. Yeah. Most of the upheaval had already happened. Like the Monday was when all the AICN, AICN writers left AICN. Um, the announcement that Draft House had severed ties with uh, Any Cool News had already come out. The dust had settled a little bit. There had been some time to <laughs> release articles <laughs> about yeah. think pieces. Yeah. <laughs> For people to process and like... It just took time. It just took, it took a little time. But I mean, I did notice, you're right, that people were paying more attention to each other. Yeah. Like in ways big and small, like people were paying more attention of when you said, excuse me, they would move. Mm -hmm. Um, Like when we were at Itch.io for the closing night party and I would say, you know, excuse me. And people would be like, oh my God, you're entire, you were so short. Of course you don't want me standing in front of you. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly. I'd like to see, and I have certain disadvantages. Yeah. Uh, So it's, it was definitely a more subdued fantastic fest this year in its own way, (laughs) but a very thoughtful and kind one. mm -hmm. And, uh, I think I, I actually really, this was the best place for me to be. Yeah. Because being at Ground Zero was oddly calming in its own way. Because if I had been sitting at home just refreshing the news, I would have just well, freaked out. Everybody else was freaking out. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm getting these messages and I'm getting like, what's going on? Oh and God, the drama online. Oh, and, so, uh. and it was both, but it was both too. It was like, you're not here. Your feet aren't on the ground to feel the emotional weight of it. Mm-hmm. But also... The toxic 
conversations happening on the internet of like, that's not what's happening here. No, it's not. Like, yeah, it is hard here. There is stuff going on and it is exhausting, but this is, we are not like, it's not some sort of rabid cannibalism that's happening here as everybody's tearing each other apart. Mm -hmm. Just calm down, people. It actually feels like we're accomplishing something here rather than going in circles online. Yeah. Like, I I saw them trying to make changes immediately. Mm -hmm. Like, I saw them like making an effort. I saw more women doing things this year than I have seen previously. Oh yeah, and because that that has been my my complaint and my criticism is that the visible face of Fantastic Fest is overwhelmingly male. Yeah, and I know that behind the scenes it's not, but mm-hmm. but who do I? What voices do I actually hear? Male voices. Yes, and the older I get, it gets more tiring. To constantly just hear male voices. Yeah. Like, uh, I feel like a woman could have said that. Just FYI. Maybe she would have had other ideas too. <laughs> just saying. Because, just saying. So, yeah. So that's the elephant in the room, listeners. Probably Melissa will have to edit that down a little bit to something. Eh, nah, I think we did well. Actually, uh, yeah, we're pretty concise. Okay. Considering. Yeah. Considering. Yeah. So, Of course, we have to talk about some movies now. Yes. We should, since we just tackled this, um, talk about one of the missteps. Uh, yeah, there, this... there were a couple of missteps. We already talked about one with the uh, Terry Notary thing yeah. in the previous episode. For as much, yeah, that was a definite misstep how it was handled. Yeah. For as much I, as I feel like it wasn't a big one. Like if I had looked at the program beforehand, I would have looked at it. It's like, no, that's not a problem. Yeah. I mean, having run big events, it's like. You get close to it. You don't see it the same way. Things mm-hmm. slip through the cracks, especially right before a festival as you're scrambling to try to yeah. look at things critically and be like, wait, is this going to be okay? Yeah. And they probably had uh, Terry Notary lined up for months yeah. to come in and do that. And so it's hard to, to, in two weeks prior to the festival actually happening, sit down and look at your entire slate of programming and go, huh, maybe that's going to be a problem. Yeah. And so one of the things that did set people off was um, the American Genre Film Archive secret screening. They do a secret screening every year? Yep. So there are, there are two kinds of secret screenings at Fantastic Fest. There's regular secret screenings, which are usually big... Uh, high profile. High profile things coming in. Like Crimson Peak. Yeah. Uh, big, 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 um, big studio... Uh, uh, Opening movies. Intended to be blockbusters. Yeah, or or things that are are really under the radar or or stuff like that. Now, American Genre Film Archive, when they do a secret screening, it's something they dug out of their vaults that is a rarity that they want to announce. They're like, look at what we found. Look at what we found. Uh, Here's here's a treat that we just wanted to be a surprise when you come in. And and because it's coming out of the AGFA... It's going to be weird. The odds yeah. of exploitation are high. It's not probably not going to be like quality in terms of what you would think quality like. Yeah. But there's a reason that they pulled it out. Like there's something notable about it. Yeah. And this year they made clear that this was a lost film and they found it. So, um, and also in the program, it was, it was noted specifically that this is an exploitation movie and, uh, I, I believe the phraseology was it was for perverts or something like that. I mean, it was very clear that it was going to be a sexploitation mm-hmm. film of some sort, which is more information than you usually get for secret screenings. For an AGFA. For an AGFA secret screening. Or any secret screening. Yeah. 
Because usually the other secret screeners are completely out of the blue. You have no clue what you're going to see. But for Agfa, you know, they gave, they gave you an expectation of what you're going to see if you go to this thing. Mm -hmm. And then when we showed up, I, I did get a ticket in there. And because um, I went lost film and somebody else said it was a, a writer, product, writer, director, producer. I went, it's either like Andy Warhol or it's Ed Wood. And uh, I went in, and sure enough, they had found Ed Wood's Take It Out and Trade. His last film. No, right. the last film that he had full creative control over. That, yeah. Yeah. So this, uh, dear listeners, Take It Out and Trade uh, comes from, uh, like, 1970. Um, it was in the period where uh, Ed Wood was deep into alcoholism, and he was basically making nudie films to buy whiskey, <laughs> essentially. It, it, he he had a very sad story at the end of the of his life, but um, take it on a trade he made for literally a thousand dollars, and it was screened once in a strip club in Glendale, California, in 1970, and never shown again. And there were outtakes uh, available that somebody had had found and kind of strung together as. Um, like in the 1990s and sold it under the, the something weird uh, video title. Mm -hmm. And so for the longest time, that was like the only evidence that this film existed, but they found Agfa found the original elements and restored it. And it was a 2k transfer of take it out and trade. And the print was actually in really good shape. Nice. It's a shitty movie. Uh, <laughs> Because like, it's Ed Wood. Ed Wood does not make good films. Yeah, Ed Wood does not make good films. So uh, the young man who who is head of Agfa, I still can't remember his name. I'm just blanking on it. It's not Sebastian. It's the other guy. Um. Anyway, he is a diehard Ed Wood devotee. He he thinks of Ed Wood as an outsider artist, which he pretty much was, mm -hmm. and um, had this amazing, really loving intro to this film and so he he went up and did this verbal intro to the movie and it was it was long it was like 10 minutes long and he gave the whole history of the movie um set up really strong expectations a, a very detailed explanation of what you are about to see a porn film this is this is a softcore porn film but uh, and it's ed wood it's not it's not good and you're gonna see like inexplicable editing and uh really <laughs> terrible uh stock footage and and it's it's going to be laughable, but um, this is why I love Ed Wood. And this is, um, it, here, are, here are some things to watch for in the movie. And uh, then they, they showed the film. And of course, there was a big blow up online about showing a porn film as a secret screening. How dare you? I walked into that and I was assaulted with a secret screening. I should have had the choice of being there. Except that... But the, the, the thing, you, they, they announced it beforehand, what it was. They had it in the intro. You could have left it any time. And, and I hate to put the onus on people who... But Fantastic Fest has always shown sexploitation films. They, and I mean, they're, uh, Ag, 
Agfa's other uh, slot in the festival was Bat Pussy. And nobody had a problem with that. Nobody had a problem with Bat Pussy. And so it was a problem that it was a secret screening. The only problem was that it was announced as a secret screening. And I do understand that. I do agree. Yeah. Like, yeah, but you were told what it was going to be. You could have gotten up and left. But you've given up your slot to it at that point. And, and I agree with that. And, and, and so I also like, yeah, but I gave up my slot. I showed up here. Now it's too late to go to another movie. And if I had known, I would never have picked this. Yeah. And so I get it. And so the clear answer should have been, guys, we're going to show a porno? Maybe we should tell people. Or it's the, you know, if you had just listed it in the program as not a secret screening, but this is a Ed, Wasted Ed Wood film, I would have still gone. I hate porn. I do not like porn at all. I really do not like sexploitation films. But I would go to that because I've watched Plan 9 from Outer Space more times than is reasonable for any human to watch it. And I have a great fascination for the absolutely inexplicable editing skills of that man. <laughs> and and I have sat in the front row of that screening and I laughed my ever-loving ass off. I had so much fun laughing at that movie. Now, most people uh, kind of watched a bit of it and... You know, there were a lot of people who left in the middle of that movie because it's like, yep, there's a lot of tits and bush in this movie. Whatevs. And then, yeah, it, it, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. It, we're gone. And, and it, by no means was it was it exciting at all. <laughs> it, it, it was a truly spectacularly dumb film. But uh, the travel montages just about broke me, man. Because whenever a, tr- quote, travel montage happened, it was like, I found a poster that says Rome on it. Put it up and... Maybe have somebody wander by with a bottle of Chianti. <laughs> that that's Rome. I'm in Rome. It's a poster. Didn't you tell I'm in Rome? Uh, or uh, crash zooms inexplicably to a red staircase. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Look at what I can do. I can do a crash zoom now, Mom. Yeah. The dear listeners, if you've ever seen Tim Burton's Ed Wood, the his biopic, the the scene where he's sitting with the stock footage going, something's scaring all the buffalo. <laughs> that is not a lie. That is 100% his editing skills. It's like, I have stock footage. I can do anything with this. <laughs> and I find it absolutely hysterically funny. So, uh, so but yeah, yeah, it was a misstep. It was a total, it, it was a misstep. But I, I think it, I personally didn't find it problematic um when it came out like the first wave of you know angry news about it came out it's like some they were showing violent porn as a there wasn't a violent bone in that movie's body there was one part Wood didn't do violence ed wood was Mm -hmm. it if anything socially progressive yeah this is what i saw in that movie so there there's one scene where like the main detective roughs up an informant who happens to be female and um but it wasn't like sexualized in any way. It was, you know, they they were having a fight. the The rest of the movie was all you know, tits and bush. But uh, also, there, Edward himself appears in drag in in the film, and you know, he was a cross dresser, and mm-hmm. that's how he felt most comfortable. And the the part about him paratrooping in a bra and panties during the war was absolutely true. I mean, <laughs> true American hero. Uh, but he, he, he appears in drag and as just a legitimate character, there's no judgment passed upon that. And there's an, there's a couple late in the movie who are, uh, 
they're they're clearly they're they're male and female, but they're um I'm trying to explain it. They're they're both androgynous. So they're they're a couple, but the, the man is dressed more female and the the woman is dressed more male and they're in they're in a loving relationship. There's no Judgment yeah, passed. There's some on gender that. fluidity going on. There's some gender fluid stuff going on, and they just exist in the movie. And it, they're not one of the porn scenes. They're just having a conversation. They they're see, and it's fine, you know. And it was fine. So it's it's it was an, it was an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, like I don't I don't blame the people that were bothered. I don't yeah. because everybody was rubbed raw. Everybody had a hair yeah. trigger. And and by God, if you don't aren't familiar with Actual Ed Wood movies, boy, they're, that they're, must have been not just good. boring. They are not good. They are really not good. Like, God bless you, Melissa. You enjoy the process of watching bad movies. I get yeah. frustrated and bored. Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, if you're not on on board for watching an Ed Wood movie and you're not a depreciator of Ed Wood, you go find something else to watch because <laughs> yeah. you will not be happy with any of it. And if anything, like. I've often wondered why they why the Agfas have to be secret screenings. Why don't you tell yeah. us what they're going to be? Because sometimes, like, I would like to see that, but I've gotten so gun shy of the weird shit that they show that I don't want to see that I don't even put in for the secret screenings mm-hmm. anymore. I think one of them a couple of years ago was the Astrologer, which was one of the greatest things I've ever seen on a screen in my life. But, you know, but, but like, but why does why? Is well, I think that one had to be secret because of the music rights. Yeah, I mean, or something I, like that. I can't, I can't re- quite remember. That was several years ago. God, I love the astrology. <laughs> so yeah, that was. But anyway, so that that was take it out and trade. And if you really want to see it, I'm sure Agfa is going to put it out in a couple months and make it available. Okay, but there there are Edward devotees out there and. Sure. Why don't you talk about Mouse and, and the other two you saw? Yeah, uh, so so Mouse, Mouse and Hagazusa. So I'll do Mouse first. So dear listeners, we're clearing out all the dirt first. Now we're going to get back into to the happiness of other yeah. things we saw. By the way, this is one of the strongest Fantastic Fests in, turn of, in terms of lineup. One of the strongest years I've ever been. Like, the reason I didn't get to see so many movies that I wanted to see was because there were so many movies I wanted to see. Like I was having to make a lot of Sophie's choices. Mm -hmm. So anyway, mouse was actually one of the ones I wasn't too turned on by, but um, the, this is a movie that was made in Serbia. I think it is. Uh, But it, it is uh, the premise is there's a, Girlfriend and boyfriend, uh, the the young lady is, um, was it, the, the genocide, it was the Serbs and the... Croat. The Croats. 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 Yeah, and, and so she, if I remember, it was Croat, and he's German. And so they had, it, it's clear that they've been, they're driving back from a funeral, they're trying to catch a plane, their car is going through a, a forest in... Uh, Serbian territory and they stall and so they're lost in this forest with their dog and you know this is modern day so they're concerned about is this area mined still and uh, they're trying to stick to the road they're trying to figure out how to go catch their plane and they're trying to watch in the nearest village and who 
guys find them in the woods and it turns out the two guys are Serbs and it gets ugly. So it winds up being two crazy guys in the woods and, you know, the two protagonists trying to get away and, of course, being Fantastic Fest, the dog dies horribly and... It's not Fantastic Fest until a dog dies. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> dear, dear listeners, it's kind of a running, quote, joke. Because <laughs> when you're when you're dealing with a lot of horror movies, a lot of times when you have to deal with the gravity of the situation without killing off a character, you kill off a dog. Yeah, you, or a cat, but like, usually a dog. You, you want to make it clear how awful this person is, so you have to have them do something awful. To an animal. And so you have them to an animal. Yeah, beloved animal. So therefore, dog. Yeah, nobody loves cats. Yeah, nobody loves cats. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, so Mouse is this horror movie, kind of a, a cabin in the woods sort of, not like specifically the movie yeah. Cabin in the Woods, but that kind of cabin in the woods structure of uh, crazy guys in the woods terrorizing the protagonists and how are they going to get out of it and... Um, there's kind of an interesting push and pull of what's reality and what's not because mostly the narrative is focused through the woman's eyes and there's a heavy pull of what are we seeing because she's prejudiced against these guys? Nice. And what are they doing because they're prejudiced against her? And so you can read it as that but it ultimately winds up being a little confusing, which I think is kind of a flaw in the narrative. And um, I don't know. I'm, I'm still kind of digesting that one. It, for, for whatever reason, it wasn't... As satisfying isn't the right word, but I feel like it didn't put the right caps on what it was trying to say. Sure. So anyway, um, interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting premise that they were playing with. And... Uh, um, is some really badass little sequences. So nice. Okay. So yeah, there's that. Then there's Hagazusa, which you yeah. were like, Wendy, I want you to see this and I didn't get to see. Yeah. Hagazusa is um Hagaz I, I want to say it's German. I think it's German. And it's uh it's another the witch. Yeah. <laughs> the witch. But it's uh a very let me back up. It's a student film. This is a graduation film of this, uh, the director. And the, the movie is about this young woman who, uh, the, the, the intro sequence is, uh, a young girl and an older woman who is her mother growing up in, uh, or not growing up, but they're, they're living together in the woods in this little shack. And this is during black plague times in an indeterminate area of the world (laughs) yeah so uh they are in this little shack and living apart from a larger village they're they're off by themselves and it's made clear that the people living around them think that they're witches and so they're kind of ostracized they're kept separate but they're living peacefully by themselves the the older woman dies the the girl who is like 12 maybe, uh, is stuck by herself. And then flash forward to when she is an adult and she has a baby now. And she's just living alone in the shack, uh, getting along by herself. And it's the trial and tribulations of this poor woman who is still being ostracized by this community because they think she's a witch. 
and this woman who basically has raised herself like what's her understanding of the world it's very simple um it's not clear if she really is a witch or if there's anything magical going on but there's definitely this the stream of the occult that the community around her believes in and it, it's this woman being treated horribly by the people around her essentially and the the film has pacing issues um i wasn't terribly bothered by it but it's a very very slow methodical um it gets very into the sound design of breathing. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it, it, it has a lot of breathing room. There's almost no dialogue whatsoever. Huh. It's almost entirely told through images. There's almost no music. Uh, very much into its sound design. The director of photography, who's a woman, I noticed. Very few female DOPs, mm -hmm. even these days knocking it out of the fucking park nice it is so gorgeous to look at now you know how the witch and i'm gonna go back into the witch because it, it really is kind of a partner piece to that because mm -hmm. the witch had this muted blue it's it's like it was uh, color corrected within an inch of its life it kind of had the, these somber tones it was like that only it was all done i feel like it was done in camera so that the clarity the clarity of it is while you have these sequences where it's this deep blue dusky sort of color palette and then it'll go into daytime and it's the rich greens and the rich reds and it's really gorgeous it's so gorgeous beautifully shot so it's like if you're on the director that top had better move on to better things because that woman just knocked it out of the park Cool. So gorgeous. So it's it's worth a watch just to go, oh my god, it's so pretty. Well, I'm interested in it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm interested in it. Yeah, I'm I'm really interested to hear your take on it because there there are a lot of uh the the themes of, of womanhood during that time, much like the witch, are very yeah, interesting. And I loved the witch. Yeah, the the witch is a much more compact narrative about that. Yeah. But I'm yeah I'm interested in a yeah. meditative piece on that yeah. sure so Hagazusa so if it comes out watch it it's pretty also oh. baby eating anyway uh, uh, let's talk about merciless yeah nice. let's talk about merciless now did so, you see merciless I did see merciless okay I really enjoyed merciless I did too I made a critical error in that I ordered a cider and I of course was very sleep deprived and so I had about a half hour of being happy that I had drunk a cider and then about 45 minutes of oh shit I drank a cider and now I'm really fighting sleep even mm -hmm. though I'm way into this movie. Um, I made the choice to skip seeing the square Yep. because I know it's going to open Right. to see the merciless because it's going to be a lot harder to see right. and I do love what South Korean cinema is doing. Yeah. South Korean crime cinema is some great, great stuff right now. Yeah. So the the basic story is um like I'm trying to wrap my head around it, like Jude's in prison. They're the cop, the female cop who is great. The female cop's an amazing character. She's trying to get a drug lord she's trying to bring down a drug lord mm -hmm. and one of the lieutenants ends up in prison and so then we're in the prison yeah deep undercover basically well yeah i hadn't yeah. gotten there yet yeah. but so the lieutenant is in prison and while he's in prison he befriends this young badass mm -hmm. 
who then like he sort of adopts and brings into the crime family. Yeah. And um and then like one not very far in, one of the twists is you're like you find out, oh he's a cop mm-hmm. that was sent in by by the female investigator mm-hmm. who actually, as it turns out, twisted his arm and forced him to go in and he didn't right. want to. And that's kind of key. Um, and she actually blackmails him of, if you do it, then the the surgery your mother needs will actually get for her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. And so then you're like, oh, oh, this badass guy is actually a cop. Mm-hmm. Oh shit, that changes things. And the what this movie does well is, like... It's and it staggers those moments of oh we're gonna shift your understanding of everything you've just seen mm-hmm. oh by the way here's a piece of information we've been withholding that's gonna shift your understanding of everything you've just seen mm-hmm. and it keeps doing that throughout until by the end um, like it takes you a while to realize that the the young badass who's the undercover cop is actually the protagonist mm-hmm. it takes a while to get there for you to realize oh he, he's actually the main story what the story is actually about. And by the end... Yeah, the pulsion pull of allegiances in this movie is really fascinating. And the title, The Merciless, is really apt. Yeah. It's so... And, like, how you end up feeling about so many of the characters is, like, so many complicated feelings. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't want to give too much away, but just, like... It's really good. It's really good. It's It's really really well acted. It's really well constructed. It it reminded me a lot of The Departed, which of course is based on Infernal Affairs. Infernal Affairs. I was going to go into that. It's very Infernal Affairs. Yeah. It's like allegiances and undercoverness and um, and who is actually good and who is actually bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like even the bad guys are doing good things and the good guys are doing bad things and like who's, what's really going on? So yeah, I really liked that one a Mm -hmm. lot. I'd like to watch it when I wasn't. Fighting, fighting a tipsy doze. Yeah. Also, slap fighting. Oh my god, yes! <laughs> the, like the, the like that's how it was kind of getting sold. Slap fighting. Like that's a way that they're entertaining themselves and also sort of establishing dominance and hierarchy. Like they're not allowed to actually punch each other in prison. Mm-hmm. Like the guards would break that shit up, but they can have these slap fight contests where they are. Like, the way they are hitting each other so hard, there is some serious, like, concussive damage happening. <laughs> yeah. Like, da- like who knew slaps could look so fucked up brutal, man? <laughs> so, that was the Merciless. So, last round. Last round. We're going to get into Wheelman. I like Dear it. listeners, Wheelman will be a- available, I think, very, very soon in Netflix. Yeah, it's a Netflix this, original. It's a Netflix original. Hot damn, it's good. Like, and what's the name? It's Gr- Grillo. Uh, what's his first name? It, he's the little guy who, yeah. who was in Captain America Civil War. Yeah. Um, he's the little guy who was actually, he, his character was originally even in uh, Winter Soldier, right? He yeah, I think so. He was one of the little one of the little guys who was um, secretly Hydra who fought with him in the elevator, if I'm yeah. remembering right. Like, you'll recognize his face, and he gives a great... Frank Grillo? Yes. Frank Grillo. Frank yeah. Grillo, and he gives a great performance. And mm-hmm. what's interesting is, like, it, 85% of the film takes place in a car and is shot... Yeah. Almost entirely... Like, in the car. Like 90, 95% of it, I'd say. It's, okay. it's almost entirely in the car. When it's not in the car, it's in another car. And, and like, there's a few sections where he's outside the car, but then we're back in the car. Yeah. Um, it's it's a bottle movie, so it's it's a guy who is a wheelman for a heist. 
and uh, he is driving around the city. The heist goes wrong, and uh, he's taking calls in the car and trying to drive around and trying to dodge whatever the fuck's happening. He's trying to contact people and figure out what's going on, trying to figure out what he should do. Um, if he had just... Did he just screw over these guys like, who are running what? the heist? Like, uh, while the heist is happening, he gets a phone call from a number that he doesn't recognize. Like, by the way, those guys are going to kill you when the job is done. Just take off. Like, wait till they put the money in the car and then leave them. I can't leave them. No, just, I'm, well, then they're going to kill you. And mm -hmm. so he takes off and leaves them. Mm -hmm. But now that means he screwed over the mob boss. Right. I'm like, were they really going to kill him? Because those two guys had been acting weird. Yeah. Right? Um, were they really going to kill him? Or was that this guy? And this guy's manipulating. Like, and so, and it's all happening by phone. And so pretty much most of the movie is just Anthony, Anthony, it's just Frank Grillo talking on a phone to people. Mm -hmm. But you're totally into it. Yeah. And it, it's, he's trying to solve a mystery while driving around the city and trying to. To like discern the allegiances and the patterns and like yeah. who set up what and what were you actually trying to do and like did you fuck me over did yeah. you fuck me over it, am I being followed right now and and you know meanwhile things are happening with his family and he's trying to keep them safe and it is a tense lovely little movie yeah super solid it reminded me of Grand Piano yeah very much so like in in that it's very contained mm -hmm. it's very lean mm -hmm. and it just it delivers the good solidly. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. Yes, that was good. Yes. yes. So, so tasty. Yeah. So look for it on Netflix. I think I think it's available now or it, very, very soon. Like, like it was going to be coming out soon. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so watch for Wheelman. It, it really is good. Yeah. Really, really good. Tight little movie. Yes. Very much so. So, yeah. Um, so that's our section uh i i believe we have just a few left so we have, we have one, one more, more episode. episode to do tomorrow and we'll wrap up the rest of the movies we saw and now we're past the elephant in the room we can yeah just end it with happiness yeah well yeah it'll be great so listeners yeah. uh we'll talk to you again tomorrow and so this is wendy that is melissa and we'll talk to you soon bye Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. So where were we before uh, your husband came in? <laughs> that um, sounds dirty. <laughs> uh, just